Welcome to The Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now here's a message from Pastor Paul Ogando. Amen. Amen. So when I was studying, this is the Church of Philadelphia. It's called the Church of Philadelphia. And um, uh, so if you want to look at an overview of all the churches, Pastor Deborah did probably the best overview of the whole topic last week. So if you, her whole message is incredible. Her, 50, her first 15 minutes of it, she just broke it down so well. I'm not even going to attempt to do that. So you go ahead and go on the video and watch those 15 minutes right up front because she absolutely masterfully just described what these whole letters are all about. And so they're amazing. But what we've seen is just a buildup in this process. In the Church of Philadelphia... Um, um, people call it church of brotherly love. That's what it means um, the, in, in Greek, obviously. And so people talk about, oh, it's a wonderful church. It's a great church. Because only two out of the seven churches did not get reprimanded. Philadelphia was one of them. That there was no sin obvious to them. But what we see is God getting involved with them in a particular area of their life. And the only thing that could come up is, I'm holding on. Can you say that with me tonight? I'm holding on. And if you're online, you can type it, I'm holding on. And when I read this stuff about Philadelphia, I see people today that it, they're just holding on. They're holding on through the pressures and things that are happening. They're, they have little strength in their own life and they're white knuckling life right now, if I may say it that way. They're just grabbing with dear life. I, mean, I remember probably three years, four years ago, we did a mission trip to Peru. And one of those mission trips, we always take a day off. And one of the guys from the local church from Tarapoto said, hey, we have whitewater rafting and you guys can you know do something fun it's not at the level that you see like super big this was kind of medium maybe on the lower tier it has some really rough spot but it was I was like yeah let's try it you know when you're on a mission trip you don't think quite straight like what are we thinking but we just went for it right and so we got in it and just to have a, a day of fun because we have been working really hard we have been ministering from morning to night and so hey let's go blow some steam so we get on these boats and um in one of the rafts, so we're doing really good, nothing really heavy. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, we see kind of the Mac Daddy coming our way. This thing was like intense, and it was an automatic response. Everybody who was on these boats automatically hold on to whatever they could because they did not want to be thrown out of this boat. And it was very, very funny. I mean, just people's faces, and they're just white-knuckling. You know what? A lot of us in life right now are white-knuckling the situations. Whether it be the threat of the virus, so whether it be economic situation, just like we sang songs of faith today, I think God, when he speaks to the church of Philadelphia, he's trying to give them a sense of, even though you're white knuckling, I have some good news for you in this whole process. And I believe the Lord is bringing some good news for us in, the, in profound situations in our life. Can we read it together? Let's go read it together. Uh, Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. Revelation chapter 3, verse 7 begins by saying, we're going to read all the verses. There are about almost 10 verses, something like that. So just hang on there, um, and then we'll break it down. It says, and the angel of the church in Philadelphia writes. So he's telling, hey, tell the angel of this particular church to write this message for me. These things says, he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David. I, I got to pause in this. This is amazing. I didn't highlight it for the team, but the angel said, and it doesn't use it a lot in other phrases, but in this particular church, it says, these things says. You know what it's saying? He's putting the authority behind of what is being said. 
And it's incredible. Uh, with Pastor John and I have a joke around this church, which is swipe the card. And swipe the card means that people come and ask something on behalf of others because they know that particular card has an authority. Like if you're a parent that says, hey, take my credit card and use it, you don't care how much money there's there. Your dad said you can use it. There's money in it. Are you with me? So it's the same. Like if I go and say, hey, I need this. But when I go and say, Pastor Dan said, it is a different thing. Are you with me? Like it just changes. It changes absolutely everything. So we have a joke like, hey, go swipe the card. Um, and when Pastor Jim was on, we used to say all the time, like, hey, Pastor Jim said, oh, it was going to get done. Glory to God. Um, and so here's the same thing. He's saying, listen to the angel. I want you to tell him something. That he who is holy, that he who is true, that he who is the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. Here's what the angel is saying. The person that's about to give you information has tremendous authority. Tremendous authority. And the words we hear tonight are from God himself, from Jesus himself saying, I am about to tell you something. I'm the one in charge. I'm the one with the key. I'm the one who's telling you this situation. Wow. Verse 8 says, I know your works. See, I have said before you an open door, and no one can shut it. And you have little strength, little strength, we'll go to that in a minute, little strength, but have kept my word and have not denied my name. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan. And that phrase is used in another verse in another church, and I'll talk a little bit about it, but not very much. Synagogue of Satan, who said they are Jews, and they are not. But lie indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet. And it says, and to know that I have loved you. Oh, man, what a description. Verse 10, because you have kept my command to persevere. I will keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world and test those who dwell on the earth. Verse 11, behold, I am coming quickly, quickly, hold fast to what you have, white knuckle it, that no one may take your crown. Verse 12, he who overcomes, he who overcomes, he or she, he who overcomes, a person that does this, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more, and I will write on him the name of my God. Oh, man, the Word of God says we are sealed with the Spirit. We are His. We are His. That's what the Word of God says. The name of my God and the name of the city of my God. The new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. I love that description. And I will write on Him my new name. That verse alone, my friends, it's a whole nother message. So profound. I'm not even going to dwell on it. It's so amazing. Verse 13. He who has an ear... Let him what? Hear. Hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I wish I would have known that phrase when my kids were growing up. You know what I mean? I tell you, are you not hearing me, right? He was an ear. Let him hear to what God is saying. And what God spoke to me was that phrase, was if you're holding on. That's what I want to talk about. If you're holding on tonight, if you're watching at home, online today, if you're here in this building, if you feel like, Pastor, I'm literally just holding on. I'm holding on to my marriage. I'm holding on to my family situation. I'm, I'm holding on. God has a word for you. God has a direction because that's exactly how the Church of Philadelphia found itself. The Church of Philadelphia found itself in a situation where they were literally holding on. And the description is, hey, you guys are already weak, and therefore I won't put any more burdens upon you. I, I want to let somebody know tonight that if you are full of burdens, God is not the one piling it on. 
There's this concept that says, oh my gosh, God, why is you? He's not piling it on. He's not piling it on. He is there to work with you in the process. Now, he may have a lesson for us in it, but he's not the one piling it on. Because every word through the word of God, we see a God of mercy and a God of grace and a God working through every situation that we may face in our own life. He's not piling it on. But he's telling this church, I want you to look at a few things. And if you're holding on, here's the first thing that the Lord put in my heart. If you're holding on today, look for the open door. If you're holding on today, you got to look for the open door. And that is so important. We have to look for those opportunities in our life that the Lord may bring our way. Look for the open door. I heard a joke a while back that was it's kind of funny to me. Maybe you won't laugh, but I'll just share it with you. Um, you know, because the revelation can be so tense sometimes. But, um, but it's this joke of a, two guys come up to preach to a house and they knock and the lady opens and they approach the lady and said, hi, we're here. We want to share the word of God with you. That you know, God loves you. And the lady was like, Ah, uh, thank you, you know, trying to be polite, but I, I'm not interested. And she goes to shut the door and then turns around and the door opens a little bit. And she sees the two guys there. She's like, what is going on? So she walks over and says, I, I don't want to hear it today. So thank you so much. So she tries to shut the door again, a little bit more forceful. And turns around and the door opens. She's saying, man, these guys are so rude. They're probably putting their foot right to let it stop. What is going on? She turns around and says, I don't want to hear from you. And she goes really high. And the door opens again. And the guy goes, man, 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 you want to move your cat out of the way before you close the door. <laughs> That's cruel, right? I don't like cats, so I don't know. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, and so it's so funny because we have to find the opportunities in our life. The opportunities. It's a, joke. it's a funny way, but that's what Jesus was saying. Look what it says in Revelation. Verse 8. Verse 8. says, I know your works. Man, we can pause there and talk about it all night. Here's what the Lord is saying. I know exactly where you're at in life. I know exactly where you're at in life. I know your works. And there's many verses to explain it. So the Lord is saying, I know what you're doing. I know what's in your life. And a lot of times we get fearful thinking, oh, we're doing the wrong thing. That's not what he says. He says, I know your works. And he says it to all the churches, meaning God is watching our lives. That, that's really what they're talking about. God is watching what we do. He says, I know your works. See, look at this. See, I have set before you an open door. Can you say it with me? I have an open door. Every person in this place White knuckling in life, the Lord is saying, I have an open door for you. I have an open door for you. And it's so powerful because that is exactly what he told him. He, didn't say, he said, I want you to see that I have set an open door before you. Because they weren't seeing it. And a lot of times when we're in problems and frustrations and pressures, we cannot see the way out. We cannot see the way out. And it's amazing. This is how firefighters, they train to under pressure find ways out. And you see it in movies because smoke and heat rises, you crawl low, but they're looking for ways. They've been trained for that. Let me tell you, God is trained to saying, I need you to see because there's an open door through your situation. And here's what he tells them. Here's what he tells them. He says, no one, say no one. No one, no one can shut it, my friend. No one can shut it. Pastor Jim always tells us this. He says, if you need to do a situation that's pressure, then you got to think about it. Because if it's for you, it's for you. If God opens it, it'll be open, my friend. And I think a lot of times we've run through an opportunity that may not be our door or our God. 
And that's why he says, see that I have an open door for you. Find what's in your life. Says, look at this, for you have little strength. So God understands. He says, I get it. I get it that you're not operating a full capacity in your life. He understands the situation. He says, I know you have little strength, but look at this. And have kept my word and have not denied my name. One thing is to have little strength. Another thing is to have little strength and still hold on to the truth of God through every process in your life. And that's exactly what he's telling the church of Philadelphia. He said, I have an open door for you, but I'm doing it because even though you have little strength, you hold on, you white knuckle the truth of God in your life. And my friend, God is inviting us to do that, especially nowadays, to not back down from the truth of God in our life, to not back away from the things he's doing in us because he's put an open door before us. An open, open door. Come on. Thank you, Lord. And the essence of that verse comes out of Isaiah 22, 22. And in Isaiah 22, 22, we're not going to go there, but you can look it up. The, the cross reference is so interesting because there was a governor of a town that became prideful. And the Lord said, I will remove him and place this other governor. And I'm going to give him the keys. And no one is going to open the door. He opens. No one's going to shut the door. He shuts because he's doing my work. Here's what you got to know. If you're prideful, you won't see the door. Because you can't find your way out when you think you're the one with the solution. When we're dependent on God, he's the one with the solution. He's saying, see that I have placed an open door before you. Not you, not cousin Sal, not, no, no, no. I, God, I've placed an open door before you. And I will show you what that open door is. And, and this is so crucial in our life because from time to time, we all have been faced with a situation where, Lord, where is the open door? How do I get out of this thing? How do I find a way through and the Lord has for? As a matter of fact, there's a famous verse, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, New Living Translation. You know it, but we only use it in the topic of sin. I believe it's a little broader than that. I believe it's everything that is taking us away from the direction of God. First Corinthians 10, 13 says, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. So he's saying, hey, everybody has the same pressures in life and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. So he's saying, whatever comes your way, you have the power to overcome it. And it's not the first time he says that. In Genesis, I believe chapter six or chapter five, he tells, um, he tells um, Cain and Abel, he tells one, he said, listen, sin is crouching at your door and you can overcome it. Yeah. Wow. This is before the sacrifice of Jesus. This is before he said, sin is at your door, but you can overcome it. And he says here, listen, I know you can overcome it. Look at this. When you are tempted, when you are put under pressure, on the temptation, on the, on the tribulation, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. He will show you a way out so that you can endure. Come on, give God again. If you're going to get okay. He deserves it. So, so powerful. Saying he will show you a way out so that you can endure. And all of us, my friend, need to know there is that step out into the next thing that God has for you. It's, it's so important. He is showing you an open door. It might be the end of a relationship. It might be the end of a partnership where you say, hey, this is not working out in terms of business. It, whatever it is, Lord, you set a door before me. I need you to show me. 
It might be a, a medication that you need. It might be just pray and fast and healing power will come upon you. Whatever it is, ask God to show you what that door is. Because he said in his word, because I know you're weak, because I know you're going through tough problems, see that I've put a door right in front of you so that you can get out of the situation. Are you with me today? So when, when we're going through life, he told Philadelphia, he's telling us, see that there's an open door for you. Here's the second thing he tells them. Trust the process. Trust the process. And trusting the process, my friend, is so difficult. So difficult. All of us. All of us have been sick at one point and felt good, even though, let's say, the doctor said you have to take this medication for four days. But by day two, you feel great. And then you stop taking it. And then you have to go back because the infection re-come back. And now you have to take 12 days of it. I only saw a few of you did it. Okay, cool. Right? Trusting the process is really hard. It's really hard because to stay in the saddle of doing something is really, really difficult. Athletes do it all the time. And the Apostle Paul says, look, these athletes are doing it for a crown that will perish. But you and I are doing it for eternal rewards. You're not doing it for what Christ is doing for us. Amen. And so he's inviting us to trust the process. Trusting the process is very, very difficult, but very, very important. It, unless we take the necessary steps, we are not going to skip a step. When we skip a step, then we get in trouble. And a lot of people tend to do that. And God says, you have to trust the process in everything in your life. Every minister you see in this church, they went through a process in their life. They didn't skip steps, my friend. I can tell you that from knowing them. They went through the process. And for all of us, we have to go through the process. Those who are in real estate, you never sell a million-dollar home before you sell the $100,000 house that was in the corner. Well, $100,000, that must be in another state. But whatever. Um, you know, you never sell that little house, right? There's always something happening. You always go through that step. And these guys, they pay the price of doing this. Look what it says, Revelation 3.9. It says, indeed... I will make those of the synagogue of Satan, and that's an expression also used for the other church that wasn't reprimanded. And so the synagogue of Satan, in a general description, are Christians who, or Jews, who said they were Jews, but they were really faking it. They were just, let me put it in, in modern terms, they were fake Christians. And they were bringing accusations against those that were true Christians because these are Jews who came to Christ and are being persecuted, a lot of them. And some of them are, uh, are suffering because they are um, following Christ. They are the, being persecuted, right? And so they're saying, these guys are saying, look what it says, who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them Come and worship before your feet. Basically, I will come. They'll come and acknowledge you because we don't receive worship. The worship belongs to God. But I want you to see the next phrase. And to know that I have loved you. I don't know if you're going through a tough situation right now. I don't know if you're going to specifically false accusations, maybe lack of forgiveness. But the Lord is saying, if you go through the process, those people will see how much I love you. How much I love you. And that... In the process, that's really hard. That's really hard because at times we feel unloved. At times we feel like, God, what am I going through? This is crazy. But if God wants to show you how much he loves you specifically. We have a friend here. I won't uh, talk about my friend, but when we, I used to pray with the group. I haven't prayed with him in a while, but he went through a really, really tough situation. A situation in his family where he had to separate. And I remember when we would pray together in the morning, he would share about it. And uh, just years on the end of this particular situation um, in his family, in his marriage that ended. And it was very, very difficult. But it was one thing I see when I read that verse. Man, that person came into mind because at the end of it all, it was God showing him, I love you. 
Others are going to see how much I love you when you go through this process. And my friends, for a lot of us, that is exactly what God is doing. God is going to show his love on your behalf when you endure the process that you're going through. So endure the process today. Persevere. Stay focused. Trust the process. That's what he's doing. Here, here. Let me encourage you. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that all things. How many things? Can you type it? All things. All things. All things work together for good to those who love God. To those who are called according to his purpose. All things. Uh, you know, we, uh, you can ask every preacher, they'll answer the same way. I have no idea how he does it, but in the end, he does. And in the end, all things work together to do a process of goodness. So we're talking to some friends at the end of Spanish service just today. Um, this particular minister, they minister in another church, but they were visiting our church this Sunday, and she shared testimony of her mom passing away a year ago, so 2019, um, a year and a little bit over. And she was just sharing what a surreal experience that was. They were together. Her mom was diagnosed with cancer. She took care of her mom, and uh, she was sharing her testimony. I was so touched. I mean, I was like holding my tears back because she was sharing such powerful truth. And in the end, what God did was bring her brother back from not being in the Lord for many years, brother back, her mom was just praising the Lord in every way, even in her bed, just laying there. And she just said, we were just singing. And she said, I had such a surreal experience when I saw how the Lord took her from us. And it was painful for her. But the description of a Christian departing, my friends, is so glorious because God always does something better even in that process. And her family, uh, her brother and sister have gotten closer. Her brother and sister are working through things. And that was just so beautiful to hear what God is doing in them and in her. It doesn't sound fun, but he uses absolutely everything for good. Everything for good. Everything. And you have to believe that. Um, because at times it's hard to believe the process. Let me tell you, David, he had to believe the process. He had to believe that when he was a teenager, he was told you would be a king. But it was a good almost 20 years, 17 some years before you're the king and then you're actually the king. Right? Like it was a long time. He was king elect for a while. <laughs> Just a joke. Um, uh, so so he was, it was tough. It was tough. Relax, relax. But you're political side. You got to laugh a little. Um, so David... David was literally, for 15 some years, this guy was like, he, they told me I was a king. They told me I was a king. They told me I was a king. He knew he had that word. God would affirm it, in, but he needed to trust the process. How about Joseph? Joseph did nothing wrong. You want to talk about injustice? This guy has a dream where the Lord is saying, you're going to be amazing. Maybe he was prideful as a young kid. Who wouldn't? Somebody tells you at 13, 14 years old, you're the knees, bee, you're the bee's knees, whatever, however you say it. You're amazing. You're, you know, you're the last cook in the desert, how we say in Spanish, like, like you're amazing. I would be prideful too. You would too. Do you know what? He did nothing wrong. He became a slave. If you really hated your brother, I think it would have been better for them to kill him because labor is awful. He was a slave for years. And God protected him and blessed him there. He took care of the governor's house and God blessed him there. And then the lady accused him of rape. He goes to jail and God protected him. At all turns, God protected him. I don't know if you're going through an unjust situation, but you have to trust the process of what God is doing in your life. 
Because Joseph did. He trusted the process. Moses trusted the process. You want to know who trusted the process? Jesus. Jesus got on his knees and said, Lord, if there any other way, Father, that I can help these knuckleheads out, show me. God said, mm-mm. And he went a second time, Lord, let it be another way to do this well. Nothing. A third time, Lord. And then it says, he surrendered to the will of the Father. My friends, our chief of our walk, Jesus, trusted the process. You and I need to embrace the process wholeheartedly and say, Jesus, whatever you have for me, I'm getting a hold of that. you got to trust the process. Trust the process. Whatever you're going through, God is in it. Look at, look at Romans says right there. Romans 8, 35 through 37 says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who? 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 Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Who? Who? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. My friend, if you are a Christian, this is what it says. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Every morning when you wake up, one, two, you're being counted to be killed for Christ. That's not a fun scripture, Pastor. I know. I know. But Paul doesn't end it right there. Look what he says, verse 37. Yet... In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. We are more than conquered through him who loves us. So if you wake up in the morning and you think, man, this life is hard, this life is, here's what God is saying. Don't worry about it. That's how it is. For those who believe Christ, we are counted in that way. But even though we're counted away, we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus in those tough situations in our lives. And we have to regain those things because the church of Philadelphia, they were under some crazy stuff. They were being insulted. They were being accused. I believe Pastor Joseph highlighted this in one of the churches. They would lose their jobs because they were Christians. If they had a business deal and somebody found out they were Christ followers, they would cut the business right away. So families were losing income just because they were Christians. They were counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet God said, don't worry, kids. You're more than conquerors through me. I'm going to make sure this thing works out in this life and in the one to come also. In this life and in the one to come. That's his promise. That's what we believe today. If you're holding on, if you're holding on, number three, persevere. We don't talk this way. We don't say, you know, persevere. It's just a fancy sort of Christianese word. But to put it in good terms, persevere is withstanding difficulty with patience. Perseverance is withstanding difficulty with patience. You would say, Pastor, I do that all the time. You got to meet, meet my husband. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, but many of us are under that pressure where you're like, you're persevering with patience. We're all ready to fight for Christ if it lasts one day, two days. But when he drags on for months, it gets uncomfortable. How about when he drags on for a couple years? That gets difficult. When a testing comes your way, when sickness is your body and you've been fighting it for five years and you can't see the door, it becomes frustrating. And that perseverance is so beautiful to God. It is one of the most beautiful things the Bible describes about those who believe God. And Peter talks about it. Perseverance, as for a Christian, is so beautiful to God. I was reading an article 
probably about a month ago, of this pastor, I think is in Iran. This particular pastor went to jail, been in jail for eight years, and he's pleading his cause. There's a lawyer. They assign him a lawyer. They go through the whole thing. Um, and so his lawyer said something that touched me deeply. He said, we went to our final appeal, and the appeal was denied. I believe was denied. I believe he's going to be um, put to death. I'm not sure. I, the article wasn't clear. But the lawyer said something. He said, in all these eight years, I've never seen the name of the Christian or the pastor. I've never seen him sad. I thought, is this wild? Like this guy's in jail and his life is about to end. His wife has been cut off from family and cut off from financial blessings in every way because they believed in Christ. And he's in jail for an accusation that is not true. That is not true. He was accused through text of cursing the prophet Muhammad. And that was not the truth. He was set up by one of his co-workers. And so the Lord is saying, what is happening? But what touched me is he, this man has been in jail for eight years. And the Lord says, I've never seen this man lose hope in any way. This is the verse that God is saying. If you're weak, if you're in a wrong situation, if you're in a frustrating situation, I want you to persevere. I want you to endure with patience because I'm working on something on your behalf. Are you with me today? Verse 10. And then New Living Translation because you have obeyed my command to persevere, because you have obeyed my command to persevere, because you have obeyed my command to persevere. It's a command to Christians that we have to endure difficult situations with patience. I don't like it. I'm sure you don't. But Jesus is saying, I've commanded you to endure situations with patience. Whew. I will... What is he going to do? I will protect you. I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world. And a lot of people use this verse to say that we'll be removed before the tribulation. When I study it and when I see it, I don't see it in that way. I think the Lord is going to protect you through difficult times. Even though around you things are going crazy, he's going to keep you in that bubble, my friend. He's going to keep you in that bubble. There'll be a testing, but it won't come to you because you are already gone through your test and you're passing your test with flying colors. And you've got to believe that. In a time today, let me tell you something. Uh, for our pastors and for all of us in different churches, there's so many challenges right now from a lot of people. What's the right decision? What do we do? There's testing coming your way constantly. It never stops. So you know why? If we persevere, if we see God through it, he will protect us from whatever is coming our way. Because those are his promises right here. We just have to persevere. We just have to endure. Hebrews 10 says it the best way in the Message Bible. And I hope this speaks to you because when I read these verses, I about started bawling in my office reading this thing. Look at this. Hebrews 10, 36 and 39 in the Message Bible says, remember. Can you say that with me? Remember. So he's asking us to remember. Type it in the comments. There. Remember. Remember. Remember those early days after you first saw the light? In other words, when you became a Christian? Look at this. Remember those days? Those were the hard times. What? He's saying those days were difficult. Those were the hard times. Kicked around in public. Targets of every kind of abuse. Some days it was you. Other days your friends. If some friends went to prison, you stuck by them. Wow. If some enemies broke in and seized your goods, you let them go with a smile. These guys are some radical Christians. 
knowing they couldn't touch your real treasure. Knowing they couldn't touch your, your soul, my friend, your spirit. That's where the treasure is. That's why Jesus came to die. You are the valuable one. Your soul is a valuable thing. Your spirit renewed, that's valuable. That's valuable. And, and no one can take that from you. The word of God says, don't fear those who can kill the body, but cannot touch the soul. Go ahead and take it, my friend, because I'm heading to a glorious place. And until we switch that, we're going to live in fear all of our lives. We're going to live in fear all of our lives. This is a tent, my friend. Yeah, I don't want to leave it early. Yeah, I don't want to leave my wife and children. But where I'm heading is so nice. I mean, the description, the word of God is so amazing. So why would I live in fear? He's saying, don't worry about it. We keep going. It says, knowing they couldn't touch the real treasure. It says, nothing they did bother you. Oh, man. Uh, nothing set you back. Are you, are you kidding me? Nothing set you back. No comment on Facebook. No, no diss through text. No funky phone call. Nothing set you back. So don't throw it all away now. I mean, if this is not speaking to you today, there's people throwing out whether Christianity over a political system. My friend, it's going to go. It's going to burn up too. Because we're part of a kingdom. And there's already a king. We ain't voting for that one. It's already set. He's already set. There's no changing there. I'm not saying we shouldn't participate in things that our system gives us. Please don't, don't take it wrong. But what I'm saying, there's people who have let go of their belief in Christ over these things. How easy are we manipulated to walk away from the one who gave all so that we can receive him in all? Let's not do that. Let's be these guys. These guys were, these guys were putting up with some crazy stuff. And he's saying, don't throw it all away. Don't do that. You were sure of yourselves then. It is still a sure thing, but you need to stick it out. He's saying you need to stick out. It's still a good thing. It's still a good Christ. It's still a good God. God is still operating. God is still healing. Stick it out. Man, I love that. It's staying with God's plan. So you'll be there for the promised completion. So you'll be there for the promised completion. It won't be long now. He's on the way. Oh, I love that. It won't be long now. He's on his way. And I was sharing in Spanish service today. I said, I haven't lived as long as others. Dr. Cohen has seen a lot of moves of the spirit, different things. I'm still, you know, way younger. But I'm telling you, I've seen more prophecies fulfilled in the last year and a half than I've ever seen in my entire life. I mean, I'm just like, whoa, this thing is intense right now. Like, like the timing just got shorter for us to see the coming of the Lord. That's how I feel. And that's how I want to live. And he's saying, he's coming. He's on his way. He'll show up in most any minute. But anyone who is right with me thrives on loyal trust. But anyone who is right with me thrives on loyal trust. Let me put it in terms of today. Jesus is looking for ride or die folks. That's what he's looking for. If he cuts and runs, I won't be very happy. But we're not, what? 
Oh, can we say that? We're not quitters. One, two, three. We're not quitters. Hmm. We're not quitters. He says, no, 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 we're not. We're not going anywhere. We're not quitters. Who lose out? Oh, no. We'll stay with it and survive trusting all the way. Trusting all the way. All the way. And my friends, when he's speaking to the church of Philadelphia, he's saying, listen, I know you're weak, but I'm showing you a door. You need to trust me in what I'm showing you. You need to persevere. You need to withstand what's happening to you because what's going to happen is going to be amazing. And here's the last one for tonight. The last one for tonight is reach out. If you're holding on, if you're just literally white knuckling, you have to reach out. You have to reach out. When we're on the boat, uh, people were grabbing onto the ropes on the side of the little boat. We're grabbing onto anything, grabbing onto someone's leg because uh, there was people on the edge and people inside the boat in the middle. Um, and so they were grabbing. Let's just grab because this thing is going to go over. They were doing whatever it can. I don't know if you notice in movies, a lot of times there's a person falling over a building and then this guy comes and sticks his hand. I hate this phrase, but I'm starting, I started to evaluate it. The person never grabs the other. It's always grab me i'm thinking he's the one hanging like he can't let go dude you have to like grab him but you know what it is the reason why we have to reach out to the person is because the other person is anchor the other person is in the right position the other person is the one that's stable you're the one in unstable and so you have to reach out and grab somebody and grab something solid and I, just to know, just what Pastor Joseph shared, there'll be coffee, tea, they'll be sharing. You know what? We have to reach out, my friends. It is not the time to hide away. I understood they were saying social distancing. They should have said physical distancing because then people took it to an extreme. And now nobody talks to nobody. Nobody touches nobody. And let me tell you something. There's power in the human touch. There is power in the human touch. There's healing powers. There's restoration. We are not meant to live this separated. We're not meant to live this separated. Don't believe the lie. Don't believe the lie. Reach out. Reach out. But pastor, you know, nobody talks to me. It's okay. You dial the phone. You dial the phone. Go ahead and reach out. Go ahead and grab the hand of somebody who is anchored and steady. Revelation 3.11. I don't with this. I am coming soon. Thank you, Jesus, for promising that. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have. So that no one will take away your crown. Jesus is saying, if you're a Christian today and you're white knuckling, keep at it. Keep at it. Don't let it go. Don't lose heart. Don't lose trust. Don't lose belief. Don't lose faith. Stay with it. Stay with it. Stay with it. Keep believing. Keep trusting. God is up to something. And it's so powerful when we do that. Because otherwise, we let go of the reins. And we give ourselves into whatever. And we have to hold on to those situations. My mother has always been an example to me in her belief because she became a widow at a very, very young age. I think she was 28 or 29 years old um, when she became a widow. And uh, she never remarried. And so she taught us the word of God. And that was her investment. I'm just going to raise my kids. And uh, one of the things I saw when things were difficult, man, I saw my mom white knuckle through life for a long time. Like for a long time. It was, it was very, very hard. You know what I never saw her do? She never stopped going to church. She never cursed the Lord. I never heard her say anything. I mean, it was like the, the harder it got, the more Christian it got around the house. 
It was crazy. I was like, man, this is amazing. But when I grew up and I had my own kids and my own situations, I understood what she was doing, what she was doing. Because there's only one that can get a hold of you and walk you through the situation. And his name is Jesus. He's the one making the promise. He's the one coming back. He's the one working on your life. I want to end with this. I've gone a little too long. Verse 12 says, All who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of my God, and they will never have to leave. He's saying, you don't have to leave. Once you're part of me, you won't have to leave. And I will write on them the name of my God. I love that. I will write on them the name of my God. And it continues on in the rest of the chapter. But here's what the Lord is saying. If you are barely holding on right now, if you feel like I'm so fresh of all these situations, God told the church of Philadelphia, I want you to know that I know you're going through a tough situation, but I want you to know that I'm involved in your situation. Not only am I going to give you a way out, but what I'm looking for is that you don't give in and let go of the things you know are true from God. That's what the Lord is asking us today. And the angel told Philadelphia, listen, I know you're weak. I know you're barely holding on, but you cannot let go because I'm coming fast. I'm coming soon. And when I come, if you're holding on, you will receive the full promises I've already given to you this very day. That's the word of the Lord for you. I hope he spoke to you in any way. Give him a hand today. Thank you, Lord. Can we pray together? Right where you're at, let's pray together. Just start asking the Lord. Something we've started to practice here at our church. Ask the Lord, tell him, Lord, in what situation am I literally just holding on? And I was soon to let go, soon to give up, and that what you wanted to do in my life. And if the Lord's showing you a situation this day, tell him, Lord, what do you want me to do? Show me the door. Show me the door. Show me the door. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, I pray for everyone tonight, everyone watching here in our church and watching at a distance tonight. I just pray that you will strengthen them today. Just like with Philadelphia, you knew they were weak. But you didn't give them a pass. You told them, listen, hold on. Just hold on. Don't give up. And I'm going to make a way for you. Father, I pray that you would make a way for our brothers and sisters this very day. Wherever they're at, that you would show them, here's the door. You would show them what to hold on today. They come close to letting go of their faith. May they not give in. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.